Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Below the Fold, where some of the best content is just a scroll away. Today, we're going to have a conversation around the ethics in digital marketing. Let me throw down some introductions here. I've got Nate Birch in the studio. He's the digital marketing manager at Needle. That's me. I've got Brandon Hassler, founder and CEO of Market Campus. What's up, my man? And Paxton Gray, director of marketing operations at 97th Floor. How's it going, Jacob? Good. <laughs> and I'm your host, Jacob Perry. I work at Myriad Genetics as a digital marketing manager. Paxton, why don't you take us away with the uh, conversation? Yeah, so I think the first thing that we need to do is figure out what ethics means within digital marketing. And just to get the ball rolling, I'd like to give you my input. I think that when it comes to ethics, what we're talking about are things that we've all agreed upon in society that are good versus bad. So the primary thing that I think that we run into when it comes to digital marketing is whether or not acts are deceptive or moving people down some path that they may or may not intentionally be moving which I think happens very often in the digital marketing world and on the internet. Taking advantage of people without them aware that you're trying to do so, I think, is really the grounds for unethical behavior. Go ahead. And I would agree. Um, this is Brandon. For those of you brand new to my voice, yeah, I, I was reading a post from Rand Fishkin uh, of Moz, and he mentioned a really good line. He said something to the effect of, Many of us associate ethics with laws or rules. So if the law is this, and if you break that law, it's unethical, which often is true. Usually laws are kind of centered around what most of society considers ethics. But with online, it's a very different game just because there's really no, in my opinion, there's no written rules or guidelines to the internet. Google has guidelines. Twitter has guidelines. Instagram has guidelines, which... There's stupid, and then there's unethical, and I think there's a difference, which we many times put together. So when I'm talking about ethics, for me at least, I'm looking at, is this going to hurt a company? Kind of like what Paxton mentioned here. I think a lot of us agree that if you are maliciously trying to hurt someone, posting a negative review on another business, uh, doing anything purposely or intentionally to hurt another business, I feel that falls under ethics and being an unethical activity. However, if you want to buy 500 followers for your Twitter profile, I personally don't see that as unethical. I do see that as stupid. The unethical side comes in once you're trying to monetize from that by maybe charging someone to say, hey, I have 500 real followers who actually follow me, when in all reality, many of them are robots, fake accounts. And then you're taking someone's money with the, you know, you're giving them basically a false advertisement. So I think that's my opinion on where ethics fall. I'm not sure if you guys have any different opinions. Wouldn't you say that buying Twitter followers is deceiving the people who see your account, believing that more people follow you than actually do? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's tough because it depends what your motives are behind buying those followers. I mean, really what we marketers do, I think a lot of what marketing does, even though it's considered white hat, is unethical. You could look at guest post where Google wants us to create unnatural links or sorry, they want us to create <laughs> obviously not unnatural. They want us to create natural links. Whereas our job as marketers many times is to make those forced links appear natural. We've been working with someone, no matter how good the content is, 
Uh, it could be the best quality content. At the end of the day, you still did plant that link. I mean, we're talking about guest posting in this case. You could argue that that's unethical because we're deceiving Google, but I see it as, well, there's no like law or anything. Like I don't, I'm not hurting anyone by planting a link. Google is frowning upon it, but that's just one company out of everything else. We're not even hurting Google by doing that. So, but along those lines, this is Nathan chiming in, kind of siding with Paxton. You have it, social media is all about people and connections. And if you're purchasing either accounts or links, sorry, not links, if you're purchasing likes or accounts or followers, isn't that a falsification of what social media is all about? Yeah, I would agree. And I, I agree that's stupid. Like, I'm not arguing that you should go out and buy Twitter followers. However, this I don't... discussion is about ethics, not necessarily about what's, what's smart or, yeah, what's yeah. intelligent. I would agree that it's very unintelligent to do that because you're only going to hurt yourself because social networks are going to get smarter. Search engines are going to get smarter and more sophisticated, and they're going to find out what's fake, what's real. So I would never tell someone, oh, go out and buy 3,500 followers. It's only five bucks. Just because I know that even if they don't get caught today, they're going to get caught within a year or or so. How how does someone get caught? What's the process in catching someone who's buying likes or buying followers? Is that something that they're monitoring? Social media is kind of like free game. There's no getting caught like there is with your website and being indexed by Google. You can get caught and get hurt. But social media, you get banned, you open up another profile. Like, there's no downside, really. Well, it depends on the network. Uh, what's his name for being uh, Dwayne... Forrester. Dwayne Forrester, who is basically the, you quote-unquote, Matt Cuts of, of being. When he spoke here in uh, Salt Lake City, he mentioned how sophisticated... Because being and Facebook work closely together in a lot of areas. Facebook is sophisticated enough where they can actually recognize accounts that have a high number of, like, fake accounts, what they deem as fake accounts... And because Facebook, unlike Twitter, Instagram, because they use an algorithm to feed out uh, material, that is where that could hurt you on Facebook. If you on have Facebook's algorithm. On Facebook specifically, Twitter's not there yet. Instagram's not there yet. Snapchat's never probably going to be there because that's just not their style. But Facebook is becoming more of a Google. It's just on a different medium. It's social instead of search. So I think within Facebook, yeah, you're going to run into some problems. Whereas, yeah, you're right. Instagram, I could buy fake followers uh, all day, and it's not going to negatively impact me at all. Now, wait, before we move on here, I want to know, what what's the motivation behind someone buying likes or followers? What are they trying to do? What's the objective? Usually, a, a lot of times, unfortunately, it's freelance marketers or it's horrible agencies charging clients thousands, hundreds, whatever it is per month to grow their social organically. So the business owner feels that, oh, sweet, I'm hiring this agency. They're going to they're gonna get me 3,000 followers. Agency slacks off all month. It's the last week. And unfortunately, we have a lot of marketers in the industry, which is why digital marketing, in many people's eyes, kind of has a negative context, uh, or SEO specifically. They're buying to give the illusion that they're growing an organic following. And that's unethical. unethical. Which is unethical. That's, I, well, that's unethical for different reasons. That's theft. That, that's you're stealing essentially from the client. Uh, well, they could justify it and say, well, client hired me because, and, and they said, get 5,000 followers within six months. 
I got them 5,000 followers. They never specified they wanted American, <laughs> American accounts. Or they never specified, you know, qualified customers. Sure. We're just doing this to boost social numbers, which who knows? Some companies might be fine with. Like, they're just looking for the image of... So another reason why you're hitting on a point why other people, why people do it is for the social validation. People are much more yes. likely to hit the like button or share something from validated accounts that have lots of followers than they are to share something or like something from an account that only has five followers. Well, it's the same reason that when you look at an article, say you're reading an article on CNN. If you see that that article has been shared a bunch of times, maybe one or two, you're a lot less inclined to share it yourself. Whereas if you see it shared multiple times, hundreds of times, even thousands, just because of that social proof, you're going to fall in the same bucket as everybody else. It's just a, you're, you're just running after the crowd. So it's kind of the same concept. If you can show your readers that you're important with the followers or the shares, then you have that social validation. Then that, I think, is the core of why people would buy links and buy followers. I wish everybody could see all the air quotes that are being thrown around in here. That's true. <laughs> uh, but so we've talked about two points, right? We've talked about buying and liking shares or followers or likes for the purpose of deceiving our clients. But we've also talked about the psychology of readers or users, uh, people perusing whatever website they see social shares, and what, regardless of whether or not they're bought, there's a mentality that the more likes and shares there are, the more likely there is to, or they are to share it. Do so, you guys view that as unethical? Like, well, that's my question. Is I think, I think personally, fake likes for a client may be unethical. Is there anyone who disagrees with that? Yeah, I, I agree. If, if they're paying for something and you're not delivering, then yeah. Sure. If, if you're charging your users to be a part of this big community and you see those numbers, that's you're deceiving them. However, I'll throw out an offline situation. You're, you're going to pitch a big client, big company. You have a little bit of extra money in your account. You're not rich, but you go out and you buy a very nice car to roll up to the interview because you want to look. It's, it's the fake it till you make it mentality. Is that unethical? I don't think so. You're just trying to look good. You're trying to present yourself a little bit bigger than you are. So for buying social likes, which again is stupid because we as marketers know the algorithms are going to catch up and, and hurt us from a technical aspect, but I don't think it's unethical to buy some followers, or not followers, buy some social likes. So when they're reading that article, they think, dang, 500 people have already shared this. If it's, if it's crap content, they're not going to share it. So you can't buy your way out of crappy content. But if you have a good piece of content and you throw, you know, a hundred bucks to buy some fake quote unquote, there's another air quote for the show, <laughs> fake shares. It, it, I mean, it's worked. I, I've done it in the, in the past, testing out some different things. And often I'll see higher shares because people just see that, Oh, this is a real article. Like when you see a straight zeros, even if it's great content, people are like, eh, maybe this isn't that great because no one else is sharing it. Yeah. Now you say you say the social network will hurt you. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm saying like Google. Google can detect fake. No, not links. Google. So you're saying if if I go buy a bunch of uh, Instagram followers or likes or go for Twitter followers. Well, both of those networks, you won't get hurt. Facebook. So which one, which one? I'm saying Facebook. You will. So if Facebook is going to hurt me. What do you define as hurt? Uh, the the already crappy organic reach that we page owners have will be hurt even more because if they see that, hmm, this is interesting, this is a company based in Provo, yet 67% of their following is in the Ukraine. 
Uh, Facebook is intelligent enough to see that, and then they're going to lower the organic reach. Like so, Facebook's already said they'll do manual adjustments well, okay. on, so, on where you show up. So my 5% organic reach is going to turn into 4.5%. Actually, your 2% organic reach on a good day is going to turn down to like 0.2%. So why do I care about that in the first place? Well, if you're doing real marketing, you want to have like a real reach. At yeah. the end of the day, you could buy followers, but that's not going to convert to sales. If you're actually concerned about growing the business, you yeah. don't want to go crazy Any on... potential benefit you would get from buying those followers or likes on Facebook will be outweighed by the negative that you'll receive from getting those if you get caught by Facebook. So by default, you're already saying that anything that I try to falsify, for example, right now on Facebook... It's not worth my time anyways, just because of the organic algorithm that exists in Facebook. Yeah. Well, I think it's not really worth your time anyway, because it's not going to do anything for you. I mean, especially if you're advertising on a platform like Facebook, even <laughs> this is where you can get hurt is advertising on Twitter, because it's well known that if you buy a bunch of fake followers, sometimes those follower accounts are shell accounts that are set up to be automated to automatically like things so that they themselves won't get banned from the platform. And so that means... If you get one of your fake followers and their shell account created by the same company who are creating a thousand other shell accounts, they'll often put your ad into their database for things to be liked, which basically means you're going to be giving Facebook free money for a bunch of empty followers. So really, you know, there's lots and lots of downside to doing fake stuff. No, definitely. I agree. And, and actually, the strongest point I would say is if you go into LinkedIn... So all the marketing that I, that I do for Needle, it's business to business. And LinkedIn is the core social network that we, that we use to get leads. So I, I could definitely see the argument for LinkedIn and not, try, and not falsifying things because LinkedIn is one of the best networks you can use for real person-to-person -person interaction. And so that's where I actually see the greatest benefit of not falsifying information or likes or shares because LinkedIn does actually directly connect a fake account with getting banned. And if you're in the business world trying to do a business-to-business -business interaction, and if you get kicked off of LinkedIn, that is actually a serious well, issue would, for you. I mean, they well, ban I your agree account. with your point, they would ban the fake account. But I'm saying if you falsify information to your legitimate account, there's, there's a separate sure, issue of sure. creating a yeah, fake account. Yeah, that's different. Now, one thing I do want to bring up, and you mentioned this brand in the beginning, that if we, there, there are no laws, right, it's just kind of the Wild West, we, Facebook has its rules, Twitter has its rules, Google has its rules, and, you know, we can go against those rules because essentially those are companies, and I agree with you. They're not God, they're not laws that we've all agreed upon as society, but I will bring up one thing, and that is the FTC. So the FTC is government, which is our laws that are essentially agreed upon by society. And they have pretty, well, yeah, they have pretty strict guidelines when it comes to like what we can and can't do online, primarily talking about fake endorsements for products, as well as fake reviews. And fake reviews, I think we're all in probably agreement that that's like off the end when it comes to ethics. But where it gets a little shady is when you create multiple accounts to share a piece of content that essentially you're endorsing and you're pretending to be more people than you actually are. Um, so that's where I think you're, you're offering an endorsement and it's deceptive. And I think that falls within FTC's guidelines or I should say rules. Like you're, you're breaking the rules at that point. 
Well, can I clarify your, your Twitter example? For, are you sure. saying that I, Brandon Hassler, I tweet out a link to a piece of content I recently created, and then I go and I create 10 different Twitter accounts, all who retweet, favorite, whatever. Mm-hmm. Are you saying, that, is that the example you're saying? That, that would be the example I'm saying. And you're saying, are you arguing that's unethical? or I, Well, I am, really. Then, I mean, if we were to get a little bit more towards the unethical side, we would say, let's, let, let's paint a different picture. You, Brandon Hassler, create this company and offer this product. You create, you tweet it out from your Twitter account, and then you create 500 other Twitter accounts acting like my company that I created has a fan base of 500 people, and they all love this thing, and they all endorse it, saying how great this product is, and tweeting it out. I mean, that, I think... Isn't that kind Pretty of the equivalent cool. of fake re- review? Yeah, it's not right. a review site. So now let's they're just, still they're right. still reviewing your product or your company. So, you're so saying, now let's just replace product with piece of content. Is there a difference? So you're saying the sole purpose of those accounts that you created is just to promote that content. Right. Because for example, I have I have a Twitter account for my woodworking projects. I have a Twitter account for needlework. I have a Twitter account for digital marketing. Are you saying it would be a problem if every single no. one of those accounts... No, no, no. What I'm saying is you, you have your Nate Birch account, Nathan Birch account, uh-huh. right? And then you have your Joe Schmo account, and then you have your Billy Bob account, right? And, you're and acting they're all for as different if, audiences. But no, you're acting as if those are actual people who are sharing their actual opinion, people who don't actually exist. Whereas Birch built your, your woodworking site, right? And then mm-hmm. Needle, your digital marketing uh, account, those are all run by you and there's no you're not trying to trick people so Everybody your, your knows issue is by your you. issue is the person behind the controls of the account if there's a real person and they do actually have real opinions then you're okay by it you just don't want account after account after account being created for the sole purpose of giving the appearance of there's deception people behind this. you just don't want to deceive sure. plain, plain and simple so well, your your ethic argument is don't deceive sure okay but is it hurting anyone like, I agree, it's dumb. I'm not going to make the argument that okay. this is a wise yeah. thing. It's stupid to do, but at the end of the day, I'm not hurting a business by creating a bunch of fake accounts and, uh, you know, I guess you could say endorsing one of my pieces of content. Yeah. Very much like in a company, hey guys, the CEO just published this on LinkedIn. Everybody get on there and go like it, even though half of those employees well, aren't even going to read it. Right Does it hurt anybody? If you have a crappy product, okay, yes. and it's expensive... And you have 500 fake people who are going in there on their accounts, their fake accounts, and they're saying, this product is the best. It's changed my life. I've lost 37 pounds in two weeks or whatever it is. And it convinces somebody to go in there and buy the product because it's really the company saying all these great things. And they take the product and it doesn't do jack crap. They're just taking their money. Does that not hurt the buyer? Yeah. I mean, I guess it really depends on the context. And that's why it's so blurry. Hence why we even have this topic. Yeah. Like fake reviews, blurry even, even though it's positive, there's it. people who they have their crap snake oil product. They go and they create a bunch of accounts. Their Google their Google Plus reviews are awesome, whatever, Yelp. Which, yeah, I guess you could argue. I mean, I would agree. Yeah, that's kind of unethical because you're trying to sell these people on a false, false dream, false advertising. Whereas then I look at the almost a similar situation, a bunch of fake accounts retweeting your tweet. I guess maybe it's just because society doesn't necessarily look at someone's tweet and be like, well, it must be real because 500 people retweeted it, whereas people do look at reviews. I I don't know. I think people do look at tweets and think it must be real because 500 people retweeted it. 
Well, okay, along the same argument, what if you take the idea of the crappy product off the board? Okay. What if it's a great product, and you're doing the same thing? Is that unethical? The problem is you're, you, Nate, are basically becoming God for everybody, saying, I declare that this is a great product, and everybody will believe it. I'm going to trick people into believing it, even though it's true, right? It may be true, but the fact is people need to make that decision for themselves based off of accurate information. And what you're feeding them is information that's from you posing as information from many people. So that itself Another is Another big difference is if it's a great product, they're not going to need 500 fake right. Twitter accounts to say that it's great. No, but... If, because if 500, you're trying to 500 out, real people are going to say that. Okay, but say from the business case. Again, I'm going for the, the risk versus reward. If I have a great product that obviously... I have determined it's great, or I have a couple of people that have said this is a great product, then why not use that as a primer? Sure. To get a bunch of people into Talk. it, to build up a small audience, and yeah, the first 10%, eh, they're probably not legitimate. They might be friends, family, coworkers, go down the list. Yeah, I'm just using it as a primer. And then, as that to juices, as that to oils the system, you get the real customers in there that really do like the product, that really do then feed into what you've already built up. So before anyone answers, I want to use a couple other examples that I thought of while we were talking about this. And originally we were talking about money. And I was wondering, is money tied to ethics? If we're either getting people to spend money deceitfully, two examples, quick examples that go along with what Nate was just saying. There are two platforms, Vimeo and SlideShare, where you can kind of trick the system into thinking there are more views on Vimeo or more views on SlideShare in order to get it featured, right? So you're talking about yep. that primer, that oil, yep. right? Yep. So to throw those examples into the same question, where's the harm or is it unethical to jumpstart a campaign in a way that will either get it featured on Vimeo, featured on SlideShare, trending on Twitter, so that more and more people see it and then you shut that off and let it kind of go organically? That's what you're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, it should be noted, too, that on both Vimeo and SlideShare, doing that only gets you in front of editors. It doesn't get you featured. The editors have to make the final call. So if, yeah, you, so they have, pick it. if you have a crappy video or crappy deck, you're not going to get featured no matter what you do. But there's still manipulation. Whether it's, there is. Whether it's 10, 20, 100, or but, even one editor. Sure, but here, yeah, you're, only, you manipulate, you're manipulating one editor versus manipulating an entire audience potentially. So, so that's another question. Does volume determine ethics? I, think, uh, I don't think volume determines ethics. I think volume determines whether or not people are willing to cross the ethical line. So do you, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. So actually. with... Again, we're back with the slideshow idea. If you if you throw a bunch of fake page views at your deck, do you see that as different than paying a service to have the same amount of people of, of fake, fake pages that you, that you would have bought or that you would have sent to it if you did the same exact thing but paid money to have it done? Is that a problem? If you do really have if you really do have people behind click so you're saying instead of having 1,000 auto populated generated views, one person you're you're paying 1,000 1, people, people to go see it once is there a difference yeah no no I don't think there's a difference Eth I mean ethically I don't think there's a difference that's just like paying people for reviews so it's we are saying that money has nothing to do with it in one case we are spending money yeah in another case we're not and and when you spend money there's typically more people involved which, I mean, comes back to the volume question, and, and well, you know, we, we can have our own opinions about that. 
Well, for example, I can I can go spend a couple bucks on Outbrain, and have tons of people see this deck. Outbrain is a legitimate service. No, okay, that's different though. That's different than what you said. People, no, no, I'm paying money. There's no, no deception because the, the users know what they're they're, they're choosing at. to click on that and choosing to watch a video. The other one, you're paying them to watch the video. They're choosing to do it for a dollar. No, they don't get no, paid. No, Outbrain doesn't. Outbrain the clickers paid. don't get paid. No, I understand that. So but if different. I am paying someone to go do that, to go look at it, how is that different than paying Outbrain to... It's, okay, this is how it's different. If if you were to buy an ad somewhere that says... Uh, or if you were to go and... Let's say you have a product, okay? And you pay 100 people, say, hey, go review my product and leave good reviews, and I'll give you 10 bucks each. Well, the okay? problem with hold on, saying hold on, leave hold on, good I'm reviews... Not done. That's a double... That's a I'm double. not done yet. Hold on. You're, you're saying, go leave reviews, leave good reviews, I'll give you 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there's that situation. The other situation is... You pay for an ad that says, hey, come review my product, right? The person can choose to click. They can choose to not click. The person doesn't get paid who leaves the review. The advertiser who displays the ad gets paid, but the person who leaves the review does not. Those are two completely different situations. Sure. And both can generate the same result, but I think one is ethical and one is unethical. So in in that same example, if you were to pay them to go leave a review, but you didn't say positive or negative... How is that any different than the other? Because you introduced two different. Well, variables. because there's an assumption. Yes. If you're paying someone to do something, you're not gonna. They're not gonna give you a negative review because eventually they're gonna want you to pay them again. There's also there's that, and there's also the fact that a lot of review on, companies do that. But on Vimeo and on SlideShare and on YouTube and stuff, a a view is considered a positive. Review, metric. It's basically, a metric. it's a positive metric. Not if it has uh, bad metrics behind that view. If no, but I know that's no that's aside. That's that's different though. But what we're saying is, if you leave, uh, if you ha- if you're paying somebody for a view, you're basically paying them to leave a positive metric on your on your uh, piece of content, which is the same as paying them to p- pay to leave a positive review. Mm-hmm. But by the way, I, I agree. I, I I don't. I, I just like ah, backpedaling. Nate. <laughs> I that's don't fine. backpedal. That's fine. I just like to argue points. All right. So all right. the counterpoint to all of this. Do you think the, that these services, SlideShare, Vimeo, or any of these, do you think they actually discourage this fake? No. I, think I don't they know. They it. know about I think it. They, oh, I oh, they think know they know about, about it. it. They know they about know. it. They know. I think they love it, though. They eat it up, right? If, I mean, if there's some deck that normally would get 75 views, and then someone pumps it up to get 7,500 views, well, that makes SlideShare look a lot better, because like everybody's on SlideShare. You better be on SlideShare, too. So Yeah, but if they know about it, then then they know that they'd be ignorant to the fact that they're fake. Why only, would they feel like they Only like to the better? extent that it damages their audience and the content that's on their, their page. I mean, look, who goes to SlideShare? Nobody goes to SlideShare, and yet... Are you kidding? Have you seen their audience? I, I Dude, I do not think SlideShare? that... Yeah. Tens of thousands of views. Tens of thousands. I mean, we're not daily. talking Facebook here. Right, right. I know, but the views Twitter. on the decks do not reflect what their actual audience is. I don't buy that. Well, I, it, not someone, even close. The thing is, it's not it's not unique. Someone could go through a slide multiple times and it counts it as, right. as multiple people. And I don't think that they're trying to communicate that each view is no, a it's unique not in their person. Interest. It's not in their interest. It's more of a social proof to say... Yes, a lot of people are saying it. That, that's why I think it is in their interest to get as much as they can. My question is, at what point do those numbers, do those falsely inflated numbers, start to degrade their audience? At what point is it no longer valuable and then in their interest to keep and, and encourage okay. the, the falsification? I want to bring up one more point. 
Can I do that? Can I, yeah. Time? Yeah. Okay, we're running short on time. Two nights ago, so I, we just, I just had a baby, right? Little baby boy. He's two weeks old. And I am nervous as heck every time we put him down to sleep at night, right? That he's... He's going to choke. Right, exactly. So I'm always waking up to, to hear if he's breathing and stuff. Obviously, at times like these, I consult Google, my best friend, when it comes to medical advice and things like that. Well, um, MD, yeah. Which, right? by the way, yeah, no, well, my wife's a nurse. She says, number one thing, don't do that. Right, okay. So my point here... <laughs> Stop it. ...is... We have a swing, right? And this swing is, is kind of flat, which is typically okay for babies to sleep in if it's flat. And so I was wondering, is it okay for, for our baby to sleep in a swing to help him sleep, sleep better? I went to Google. I asked this question. The first five results all said it was okay, and I didn't do any more research. And then later on, I was thinking, boy, I have a lot of trust in Google that they served up the top five results that are all the actual correct answer. What if the correct answer was no, and yet these people just have better SEO? And they endangered the life of my infant because they're just really good at SEO. Now we're talking a completely different ethical game. That's very true. Well, that was good that you bring that up right at the end of our conversation. <laughs> so we're going to close now with what we call last word. We're going to do kind of a round the table last opinion. Try to keep it under 60 seconds. Anything that is related to anything. We'll just open it to whatever. We'll start with Brandon. Why don't you give us your last word? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, obviously, this is a very complicated topic because there's many principles that it, if, you, if you spin it one way, unethical. If you spin it another way, it's, uh, it's ethical. I mean, I think the roots of marketing and advertising do have a little bit of a deceptive, I mean, you're paid to make a product look good, as best uh, as possible, even if it's not the best product. And so in, in that sense, there is some unethical or not necessarily unethical, but there's some deceptive practices. And like you said, I think that baby example is a really good one. If I have a product that's mediocre, maybe it's not the best because my SEO is really good and I rank number one and maybe they don't get that great of a product. Am I being unethical by trying to rank my site number one? No. If I'm selling a product that I know inside is not going to satisfy their needs, that's unethical. So yeah, it's tough. Ethics really fall on what your knowledge is and what your deep intents are. So even though sometimes it could, you could have good intentions, it's not unethical, but then something bad happens to someone, not your intention. So yeah, that's why we're having this discussion because it's obviously a very uh, dynamic topic. Mm-hmm. Nate? So I'm, I'm kind of along the same lines. I, I, I see the entire digital marketing game as the, the root of it is audience. And, for example, if we're trying to, if we're doing specific things to try to rank in Google, we can play by their rules to try to attract their audience or use their audience to further our own cause or sell our products or service or what have you. But I believe that their rules are their rules. I believe that ethics come back to the intent. If your intent is to do harm, then, then I believe it to be wrong. If your intent is to, to falsify, then I believe you're also in the wrong boat. At the end of the day, obviously you're going to have to believe that you have a better product. And so you're going to do everything that you possibly can. And knowing the rules, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to balance risk versus reward. Is it worth the risk to play the edge of whatever services rules and guidelines are? If you're okay with that, great, go with it. But for me, at the end of the day, it's, are you trying to do harm or are you trying to do good? 
Thanks. Paxton? You know, I think that because of how much stock America or just the world in general puts into the internet, that gives marketers a pretty hefty amount of power when it comes to controlling not just pop culture, but culture in general. Um, so I think we have an enormous responsibility to make sure that we're making the right decisions when it comes to how we move that society and what we're doing to, to do that. Now, one thing that we didn't really discuss and I just want to bring up really quick is we also have the ethical duty to do best by our client who's paying us, right? So yeah, while Google, you know, I, I think that we need to play Google's game mainly because if I'm doing things on behalf of a certain client and I do things that go against Google, I'm putting my client at risk. So I think ethically that's not that's not cool. Now obviously I you mentioned risk reward. So if I if I know that the risk is so small and the reward is so great, I might be willing to make that step. But ethically I think it's in my client's best interest to have full transparency and know what I'm doing and what risks I'm taking. And then I think I'm ethically sound. And, you know, 97th Floor, the, the agency I work at, I think we've profited a lot off of other agencies who acted unethically. And then we get to come in and clean up the mess, right, and help, help, the, help them recover. Thank you. My last word has to do with perception that public has toward digital marketing. And, uh, and ethics. So one of my favorite definitions is found in Urban Dictionary, and it's for SEO. And it says this, like voodoo and witch doctors, SEO is an evil term used to describe the ways SEO optimizers believe they can beat the system by making you believe they know what will get your search rankings to the top. Most of the time, SEO is achieved by throwing darts and mixing chicken bones with blood. I'm glad, I'm, I'm really glad that we started our first pilot episode off with ethics in digital marketing. I think it reflects well on the ideas and perceptions that we hold, but we want others to also have toward digital marketing itself. And hopefully through this podcast and our conversations, we can educate those who may not be sure on ethical or non-ethical things. Anyway, that's my last word. Next week, we're going to be talking social media and best practices, things to look out for, social platforms that uh, you should be looking toward.